1: Today on the ZabeCast, Bruce Allen has come out of his hole like Tawny Phil. What did the Redskins president have to say after nearly 1,500 days out of sight? Notorious J A Y joins me. He's mortified at my three favorite rap songs, but not as mortified as he is about this Hall of Fame class. All that and the Sopranos prequel is a go. More me for free, locked and loaded, so buckle up and let's go. Here we go!
0: Wednesday, January 23rd,
1: 2019. Thank you for downloading, before we get going, on a jam-packed savecast today. Corrections, addendums... And further information. First and foremost, don't send me any more suggestions on overtime. I don't want to hear them. To me, the original overtime was just fine. Coin flip, first team to score wins, sudden death. Whether it's a regular season game in week two, or whether it's for the Super Bowl, fine with it. That's just me. Some people are mortified by the thought of any amount of luck, meaning a coin flip, playing into the outcome of a game. Eh, It doesn't bother me that much, and I know that drives some people crazy, but so be it. Too many people saying, well, what about this? What about this? What about this? You'll hear later in this podcast today a stat, and you'll understand why the coin flip, even if you went to the college rules and gave both teams multiple chances to to go even Steven, why the coin flip would still be a problem. So the way to solve that is just to say, hey, home team, you get the ball first in overtime. It's called home field advantage for a reason. Period. End of story. Okay, so don't send me any more overtime suggestions. But do send me corrections when needed, such as Michael Puck writes to say, David Tyree. I think you got that mixed up, Zabe. That was one of the few things that went wrong for the Patriots along the way. Not right. You are very correct. I got that mixed up in my haste, and I made a mistake. Thank you. But, Michael Puck says, Andy is full of it. They don't restart the game if a playoff game goes to double overtime. There is no such thing as double overtime. They just switch sides of the field that the teams are driving towards. I did look it up, and I believe that my original instinct was correct, and I believe that Michael Puck in Pittsburgh is correct as well. There is no such thing as double overtime in the NFL. It's just overtime. At least that's what I think. I... I haven't read the rule book. I'll be I'll be honest with you. Yeah, I could have done that before you hit the microphone record button. Shut up. I don't think so. Either way, there you go. I was wrong on Tyree, and then you got the overtime thing. Also, uh, this one regarding the Hauser boys and Marquette and the recruiting story that I told yesterday. Joshua Bolt Bol Boeld B O E. L-D-T. You tell me. Bolt? From a Marquette alumni slash fan standpoint, Zabe, I just want to make one small correction to your Tuesday's cast regarding Sam and Joey Hauser. During Sam Hauser's recruitment, Bo Ryan, then still at Madison, had one remaining scholarship in Sam's class. They wanted a guard. Therefore, they didn't offer Sam a scholarship right away, even though he probably preferred Madison to Marquette, being from upstate Stevens Point and being a Badger fan growing up. Sam was a top 100 recruit, but at the time, most recruiting services viewed Joey, his brother, as having a higher ceiling, and Joey did indeed end up being more highly recruited. Thanks to Bo not offering Sam a scally, certainly swung Marquette back into national relevance and helped contribute to Madison having their worst season in 20 years in 2017-2018. The story you were referencing was probably with Henry and Wally Ellenson. And I don't want to get into that, da da. da, da, da blah, 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 nobody really cares. But thank you, Josh, uh, for the correction. I, I probably should have known not to get too deep into recruiting war stories because there's always multiple different narratives and sides to it and rumors and this guy didn't get the grades and that guy was getting paid and this guy's dad was a pain in the ass and this guy wanted his coach to come with him and brothers and everything else. It's a fascinating world this recruiting. Before we get to notorious JAY, the big story in DC today was the fact that Bruce Allen, team president Washington Redskins, came out of hiding for the first time in 1483 days. And by hiding, of course I'm being I'm exaggerating, I'm using a writer's embellishment. He gave his first non one-on-one interview In 1,483 days. In other words, a regular press conference. Come one, come all, bring all your questions. First time since December 31st, 2014. After a particularly bad season in which one Mike Shanahan was fired. Bruce Allen was the man in charge. And he said during that presser, amongst other things... We are winning off the field. We just need to start winning on the field. Oh, lordy, lordy, that was not what the fans wanted to hear. So that became known as the winning off the field press conference. Since that went so poorly, and you know Bruce Allen is sensitive to it, He never did one of those full-on press conferences again because he got peppered from all sides and he didn't know which way the questions were coming. He couldn't charm the one-on-one interviewer in front of him. So he stopped doing it. He would do select, handpicked one one-on-ones with certain beat reporters and certain reporters that that worked for outlets that might have been a partner of the Redskins like NBC Sports Washington, then Comcast. And that's how he did the interviews. You know, it was more comfortable for him. Well... Tuesday, I wake up and hear, Bruce is going to talk today. Oh, my goodness. There was a buzz in the media. Like, the the hand of the king is going to speak from the balcony. Won't this be exciting? Oh, peasants far and wide, ye red peons, gather to hear what the great hand of the king will say. And yes... Bruce Allen is the hand of the king. And just like in Game of Thrones where they say, the king shits and the hand wipes, that's Bruce Allen for you. He whispers into Dan Snyder's ear, you're doing great, we got this. And then he turns around and does all the king's dirty work so he doesn't have to sully his hands. So he's at the Senior Bowl in Mobile. He tells, that we're, we get word from we. The media gets word from, the team's PR department, yeah, Bruce will be able to take questions tomorrow. Well, it would have been nice to know so we could have sent somebody down there, but that's the kind of chicken shit stuff that this org does all the time. Thousand miles away, barely any notice, okay, he's going to talk. So he spoke for about 16 minutes, he took a lot of questions, the assembled Redskins media, the regular beat cops that were down there, I thought did an excellent job collectively. And the ones that I know of in particular included uh, J.P. Finley from NBC Sports Washington, Tariq El-Bashir from The Athletic, Michael Phillips from the Richmond Times-Dispatch, Craig Hoffman from 106.7 The Fan, and a couple others. They were also jumping all over each other to get the next question in because they rarely get this opportunity. The big takeaway, for me as a Redskin fan, off of what Bruce Allen said, was he thinks success in the NFL is just making the playoffs. How sad is that? He thinks that's success because he kept saying, you know, we've been in the middle of the pack the last couple of years. And that means you're close. And we finished a game out of the playoffs. A year ago. We finished two games out this year. We finished a game out the year before that. And he's ticking this stuff down. And I'm thinking, stop talking. Stop stop thinking like this. What are we going to do? Print a t-shirt that says five games short of the Super Bowl. High five. And on the back it'll say six games out of a championship. Oh my God. Amongst the whoppers he uncorked, and you can read, by the way, my whole write-up on this at Zabe.com, it's not just podcasts anymore, it's also my writing from time to time, one of my most inspired works, I must say. In it, he committed these whoppers saying, well, you know, sure there is rumors that Todd Bowles and Greg Williams were being frantically pursued by Dan Snyder and that the Redskins were meeting with them, but... Bruce Allen said, well, you know, Greg Monuski was in on some of those meetings. <gasps> Record scratch. What? So you're saying Todd Bulls, who is now bounced down to defensive coordinator status, came in for an interview and Monusky, the current D coordinator, was in on that meeting? Ah ho ho. ho. Awkward. When pressed on that detail, Bruce Allen pretty much ran out of the room away from his own line of thinking. He just didn't really finish his sentence on it. He he used some out like, "You know what? I'm going to leave that to the I'm going to leave that part of the profession to itself about who was in the room and what they talked about." It's just so depressing. It is so utterly depressing. I wished he could have been asked hard questions. Things like, you know, what would your dad say right now? Since the only reason he got this job is your daddy was once a coach here and once beloved here and was passionate about the team and fanatic about the team. What would he say to you? Wouldn't he just give you a, a smack upside the head and say, you dumbass, you have fucked this thing up royally. I'd love to hit him with the, you know, your record's worse than Vinny's. If you love the team so much, would you claim to do? Like, I'd ask him, Bruce, you are widely hated by the fan base, and your record is worse than Vinny's. If you truly love this team, have you considered doing the right thing and stepping down? I'll hang up and listen to your answer off the air. I'm not saying I'd have the balls to ask that. And I'm not saying it would... A question that aggressive probably wouldn't pass journalistic muster. It would be too antagonistic. Be the kind of question that gets you banned from a post-game show. Oh, I know that feeling all too well. But boy, it would have been satisfying. Talked about the stadium issue and how that's coming. Was noncommittal on how close it is about whether they're close to an announcement for the stadium. He did admit that Moat X Field, or in other words, the Bjark Ingalls design that was unveiled on 60 Minutes years ago that showed a literal moat with people surfing on it, that that's no longer going to happen. He dismissively chuckled and said, oh yeah, that thing died years ago. And that's typical Bruce Allen. Oh, yeah, that died years ago. Well, you didn't fucking tell anybody. This came out on 60 Minutes as an actual design. Full artist renderings and everything else. Not once did the team say, yeah, no, th- this was just a sort of a conceptual thing. We're not going to actually do this. Not once didn't say that. So that was the good thing to come out of the press, or is that Modex Field is dead. But then Bruce Allen turned around and said, you know, this new stadium is going to be a, quote, lifetime commitment, and that they're going to play football in it for 50 years. <laughs> 50 years? I got the under on that one. Blood bank guarantee. The current stadium is 22 years old, and it looks like a car that's on blocks in somebody's front yard. There's plastic tarps covering seats that can't be sold. There's chain-link fences that cordon off the exposed girders of the upper deck. There's plywood barriers that sort of cordon off entire sections. It's all purple, orange, and green, the colors of FedEx. It is an eyesore, if ever you've seen one, as a stadium. So it's going to continue. The beatings will continue until morale improves. This is shaping up like a four-win season. At best. Who are they going to get to play quarterback? Alex Smith, he said all the right things about Alex Smith, you know. Uh, He's healing, he's battling. If anybody can come back and play, it'd be him. But Alex Smith showed up to a Wizards game with scaffolding on his leg. Not exactly the visual you want to see. Anyhow, if you care more about this, and frankly, I think even Redskin fans don't care anymore, so why did I spend an hour writing this piece on Zabe.com, which you can go look at, called Bruce Today, Bruce Tomorrow, Bruce Forever. Oh, I know why I spent an hour writing it, because I'm damn good, and it's an entertaining read. So go ahead and lap it up. Time to call our, our guy, Jay Cottrell, the notorious J-A-Y, as I have dubbed him many years ago. Well, hello! Well, hello! The Notorious J.A.Y. With new theme music tonight, I pulled out the old Notorious song. Just for you, Jay. How are you, bud?
0: Fine, I thought you were going to play that god-awful Choppa style, just to be funny.
1: Just to rub it in your face, chop, chop, choppa style, chop, Choppa 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 style.
0: That song will never be heard again, so I'm very happy.
1: It is, uh, well, today is Tuesday, you'll be hearing this podcast on a Wednesday, but for my top three Tuesday, I did my top three rap songs, ever. My top three, not ever, not not ever, just my three favorite rap songs. You ready?
0: Uh, Let me see, what... (laughs)
1: <laughs>
0: I'm guessing you probably love "Summertime" by. <laughs>
1: summertime is not a rap song. Even I yes, know it that. Is. Yes,
0: it it is. is. It is. Yes. By DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince, it sure is.
1: We played it on the Zabe Cast to bump out during the summer months. That is summertime. a great. Th-
0: that is a classic summertime hit. Alright, that's a rap. That,
1: but wait, that's a rap yes, song. Yes,
0: that's a yes. That's a rap song. Yes. That's a hip hop song. What is your top three? I I'm, Well wait bait, a minute. Well no, with bated breath, I'm waiting to hear what your top three is. Well
1: hold on a second. Because you He's... are a
0: musician, so I respect you. No. Music. No, no I respect your you being a musician. I respect that. You play the drum.
1: Jay, I'm that's not a
0: respectable craft.
1: A... Jay, I'm not a musician. I'm a drummer.
0: Well, you had the Zayton
1: That's five, that's so... the I I said this to the guys, the real musicians that were in the Eagle Mania tribute band that I saw this past weekend. I said I'm a drummer, I'm not a musician, but I've been around music, so I'm fascinated by the creative process and how you do this. And so uh, I was talking to them about all the, you know, what it takes to replicate Eagles songs. Pretty fascinating. There was not any black people in the audience. Not that there was, you know, not not welcome, by the way, but...
0: I love the Eagles, by the way. Have you seen seen the documentary?
1: Incredible.
0: Incredible. here's, Here's the sad part. I came away from the documentary going...
1: Don Henley's
0: a dick.
1: Yep. Yeah. Frye Fry was a dick. Yep. Yep. Yep yep, yep. 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 I, when I was uh, researching because I interviewed the Frank Marino, the leader of the band, I, I just wanted to make sure I was on point on things, and a lot of fans are still mad at Henley for running Don Felder out of the band. Great story, though. Yeah, he was like, Felder's like, "Hey, man, I think I should be able to sing some songs and be lead," and uh, Don Henley just cold blooded's like. He has no business doing that any more than I would have business singing lead on "Life in the Fast Lane."
0: <laughs> the, the, I, I don't know who was a bigger prick, Hanley or Fry.
1: Well, they were co oh, pricks know, but, but oh, there know, was it was their band neck and neck. It was their band. They ran it, and they ran it with an iron fist. And when they got the band back together, they're like, "Look, here's the deal. You don't like it? Fuck yourself. This deal's good for eight hours." Hung up the phone. <laughs> yeah, and, great stuff. And, yeah. Uh, and, poor, well, and poor timothy b schmidt who just wanted to be in the
0: band he was in the band for like a year
1: and then they broke no. up well right yeah he was in the band for a year they broke up but then when they got back together he was in the band he's still in the band yes because he yes because <laughs> timothy b schmidt had knocked around with some of the shittiest acts
0: poco he was in poco (laughs) for a while
1: some broke ass can't fill a county fair stadium (laughs) full of drunks bands and now he's sitting in the best band there could be and then they break up a year later he's like and he's so just timid like yeah i just i I, I mean, I like playing bass and i sing the high (laughs) notes and take it to the limit yeah
0: so how about the guy who was singing take it take it to the limit and he was like i don't want to sing it anymore randy meisner
1: Yeah, they said, he was like, I don't know, my my voice, yeah, he's like, my voice is not really good tonight, and and, uh, Glenn Frey said, look, fucker, (laughs) there are people here who have to hear that song. Right. Paid money, they're never going to see the Eagles again, that's one of our biggest hit songs, fuck you, sing the note. But that's what you needed, that's what you needed. I said, uh, I said as my intro to the Eagle Mania band on stage, I said, look. While these guys aren't the real Eagles, rest assured, you're not gonna have Glenn Fry and, and Don Felder argue all set about beating the shit out of each other when the concert's over. And at you won't Alan have
0: Cran- at the Alan Cranston <laughs> yes. benefit. And yes,
1: you, yeah, and you won't have Randy Meister balking at singing Take It to the Limit. So without further ado, enjoy Eagle Mania. <laughs> yeah, it's a great documentary. But you know, that's the way music is. Because if you're a band that gets big enough, the money and the credit for who is the most important in the band starts to tear people apart, right?
0: Very true. 100% true.
1: If the band ain't ain't making no money, ain't nobody fighting because you're all shitheads. You're all sitting there with your hat and your guitar case out on the corner hoping for some change to be thrown in.
0: Sounds like radio shows uh, the same way too.
1: <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> Ooh, Here we, we go. go. Here we go.
0: So, but wait a minute. So, so let's go back. I'd like to hear your your top three hip hop songs.
1: Top three. Top three. My top three favorite rap songs. Number three, at the Marriott. Number two, <laughs> drop that Christ. kitty down low. Number <laughs> one, Christ turn Christ. down for what? <laughs> oh
0: my. God. God, I'm like a disappointed father. <laughs> are any of those good? You you have picked the lowest hanging fruit. <laughs> Jane. wait a minute. I mean, I these are all songs you heard in arenas and stuff like that, right? That's that's what this is. Uh,
1: no, it's not jock jams. If that's, that's what that's, you're asking,
0: that's what it's uh, all uh, the stuff that you like is on a jock jam CD somewhere.
1: Okay, he, here's why I like each song. I, I'll go through it. Okay, number one, "At the Marriott" by Duro. Music is great because it's a story about how, hey, there is no nightclub. We're gonna turn the Marriott into the nightclub. Uh-huh. Now it's Duro music.
0: Took a flight to Cali and got my nigga. I checked in at the hotel, hotel. Left the hotel and hit the club. Hit the club. Then the club got shut down. I turned the hotel into the club at the party at the Marriott. Uh-huh. I stopped my canary watch. Yellow dime holds you because I'm very hot. What you do?
1: I just take them to the Marriott. Yeah. We're, gonna, we're gonna take it. We're, we're gonna be inventive here. And it's oh, it's good. I love it. It's very persuasive at the Marriott. Ugh. Number 2. Drop that kitty down low. <laughs>
0: That's done. That's done. That's done. That's done. Drop that kitty down low. Like
1: a pistol, make it clap for a stack. Go ahead, Go ahead. By, by Ty Dolla Sign. I know who it is, featuring by, yeah. Charlie XCX yes. and Tanache. I mean, it's, oh. it's just great, it's super sexualized. Kitty meaning pussy, of course. And you're in the club, drop that kitty down low. It means it means. It means get it, it. means get it close to the floor. It's just it's got a really inve- in in infective hook. I like to say. And number one, turn down for what. <laughs> Wayne, one of the two little something little John I would
0: uh, little John I would listen to that I, I I hear that and I may bob my head that's not as awful as the other two you know what I wish though I wish for for Zabe Vegas that I could meet you in la and we could do the drive to Vegas and I could put in what is good hip-hop for that four-hour drive well and by the time and by the time we hit the lights of Vegas you would be a brand new man
1: okay a <laughs> brand new honky. No, I didn't say that. No. I know. that's. I call myself that. a honky. Don't be saying that. I no. can say the H word.
0: Oh, <laughs> no, the H. oh is that a, the H <laughs> the word? Is that a, yes,
1: in our meetings we say, uh, has anyone heard any incidents of the H word that we could possibly <laughs> file a civil rights claim on? Are <laughs> you called a honky? Uh,
0: I don't uh, think I've ever used that term in my entire life.
1: Well, good. So you know if I what? run
0: for office, if I run for office and someone says, Have you ever said the word like I can truly say I have never said it?
1: Listen, I don't think honky Cracker is kind of an insult.
0: I've said that. I've said that a lot. Really? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just you know, quoting Chris Rock though.
1: I okay. don't think
0: I've ever called someone.
1: Okay. Uh, yeah. I, I like I I am not on the mindset of uh oh, we should be all sensitive and butthurt about it. I do believe that there is a certain degree of one-way street towards obviously African Americans because of our racial history in America. I just wish there was a little bit of humanity and understanding when someone who makes an obviously innocent mistake and there is just off with his with his head. You heard about the weatherman in Indiana? That was
0: I'm gonna I, I give him a pass for that.
1: You have to like. And by the way, Greenberg did it once. He did. Nearly fatal.
0: I would have fired him just to fire him. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like you, 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 if you're a respected white weatherman in Indiana, you are not going to on purpose try to slip that in to be to be coy and funny. No, or right, which would not necessarily make you racist. You're just trying to be funny. But if you were truly a racist, like let's let's do this to put a stain on the holiday. And get at those people whose skin color I don't like. Right. That, he would have
0: came, came out with a hood.
1: That doesn't. That winner. That does not pass the smell test. It just no. doesn't. And, and, I, I give and, him a pass. And, and this guy's life, his career is over.
0: It's over. Yes. Like I said, if he didn't come out with a hood, okay, that's a different story. But that was a slip. Of, we've had a lot of slipping. Like I said, if Greenberg wasn't fired, this guy should not have been fired. So.
1: All right, we got. we we're going to talk about the games. Uh, for you yes, ZabeCast so- listeners who are like, Jesus, you're not going to talk about the call again. Well, yeah, because I got a new guy every day. Got Jay today, had Andy yesterday, and I have Mr. X later in the week. But we'll get your take on it in just a second. Uh, before I get to that, though, did you hear the Adrian Broner interview? after I watched he lo- the fight. You- <laughs> did you stay awake? Oh, yeah.
0: We were at a party, and uh, my buddy's wife's 50th, and some of you were watching the fight. And all through the fight, we were like, Pacquiao is kicking his ass. Avin Broner, by the way, is a big, loud mouth full of nothing.
1: I know, but he's goddamn funny because he thought on his feet, like, here, I'll play the end of the interview with the whole Jim Gray, your record is, and and let's just hear the response one more time. That boy, they trying to, what they trying to do is they trying to get that money again with Pacquiao and um, Floyd, but it's cool. I ain't worrying about it. I'm still that nigga. I'm on top Cincinnati. Stand up. West side fat. You're three three and one in your last seven fights. What will you do next? Hey, I'm three three and one in my last seven, but I'll be 7 0 no against you. Well that wouldn't mean much. That's
0: the end of this interview.
1: Jim <laughs> <laughs> Gray, a poor man's Larry Merchant. Dude, that you gotta give Broner credit for thinking on his feet like that. That, still, that was a still, quick response. Three three and one your ride. last seven is a shitty ass record for a boxer. That guy shouldn't be. That guy should be the third undercard at a Holiday Inn somewhere.
0: <laughs> he should be fighting here in Maryland at the uh, venue, Michael's Eighth Avenue. Right, but you, you can have you can have a wedding and a boxing match in the same place.
1: But he turned it right on Jim Gray, and Jim Gray returned serve by saying, "Well, that wouldn't mean very much."
0: <laughs> how how my favorite is still Floyd and and Larry Merchant, where. Larry said, if you were in the ring, I'd whip your ass. And Larry Merchant was like, if I was 30 years younger, I'd, d- I'd whip your ass. <laughs> that was the a- – I love Larry Merchant
1: for that. Uh, okay. Okay, let's get to the big story of the world, the call in New Orleans. Go.
0: New Orleans has the, the two worst things back-to-back in NFL playoff history, the Minnesota miracle and this, right? There is no – there's – there's nothing. I've never seen a team. Two pretty
1: bad ones. Pretty, Two, pretty I've, I've bad never ones. Seen
0: a team, never seen a team have that. Oh, wait a minute. Did Cleveland go back-to-back with the drive and the Ernest Biner? Was that back-to-back?
1: Might have been. Browns fans okay. represent. Email me, yahoo.com I'm thinking now that you brought this up, Jay, and I could have researched it a bit more before we came on. Yeah, you never do research <laughs> on this show. Hey, <laughs> shut Let's up! Re- research me, shirts. Okay, so – um I want to say that the Oakland Raiders back-to-back suffered the Rich Gannon-separated shoulder when Tony Siragusa landed on him well after the fact, and it popped out, and he was done for the game. That was in Oakland, right? Do you remember that play?
0: That was in Oakland because uh, Shannon Shannon Sharp went uh, 94 yards. In the playoffs,
1: right. Okay, And I believe either on the front end of that or the back end of that was the tuck rule. So think about that. That's back-to-back for the Raiders. And then you want to extend it further. Some point after that, they lost John Gruden to Tampa, who promptly went and won a Super Bowl.
0: I'm going to say if Cleveland went went back-to-back with the drive and the earnest find a fumble, that is the worst. And then second comes the Saints with the Minnesota Miracle and – the worst non-call in the history, in the of, history of professional non-call. football. Yes. All right. Well, so, Don Don, Don Deckinger's call in the '85 World Series, Kansas City and St. Louis at first base. That might be a tie with this one.
1: I'd have to go look at the Deckinger call about how badly okay. it was missed. Okay. This one, the more I see it, and my <laughs> the worse it gets. The worse it gets. Oh, the worse it gets. The and and here my my take uh, come Monday was. Yeah, horrible call. Shit happens. You were still up three. You had plenty of chances to win the game. You fucked up. Sean Payton didn't get over it quick enough. I could still see he was sucking on lemons into the overtime. And ultimately, that's on you, New Orleans. The more I see it, the more sympathy I feel because of how bad it was. I just don't know why both guys didn't throw a flag. The two referees... Why, Jay, did they not what? instinctively? Because it was an easy call to make. So why? And, and easy, there was like,
0: well, pass interference was one call, but it was also helmet to helmet. Right. So for protecting everyone, and by the way, Nickel Roby could have intercepted that ball. Correct. There was so many F-ups on that play, it, it's not even funny. Nickel Roby, if he would have just looked at the ball, yeah. he was going the other way or catching
1: it and falling to the ground and Sean Payton or excuse me and Drew Brees could have put some air under it led him by a few yards and would have had a walk-in touchdown right I think well here's my theory as you stew on the why of this my theory just to repeat was number one the play looked weird it didn't look like prototypical pass interference because the defender was not stride for stride with the receiver he was coming way across the field in a panic to try to get his guy, and he crashed right into him, which made it look more like a collision and not necessarily pass interference. So that jammed the radar of the referees. The other thing I believe that they truly don't want to do is they don't want to call a flag that ends the game, and that in that case, a flag would end the game. They would prefer to be conservative on the side of that's not P.I., they're still going to go up three. They're still going to have a really good chance to win. We don't want to be the ones that actually send the Rams home. That's my theory. That's all I got. What about you?
0: I, I Well, I just think they were caught up in the game, and they weren't even paying attention. I think they were caught up in the moment. Is, is that crazy? So you, say- so
1: you think it was just a genuine fuck-up by not one, but two of the purportedly best side judge, line judges, whatever they were, in the NFL that had been given this NFC championship assignment. That, to me, is the hardest theory to buy. That they both fucked up? Really? Yes. Because every time I see it, I'm like, holy shit, how did they not throw a flag?
0: Now, do you think your boy will call his office and go, we need to hire full-time younger referees now?
1: Well, the NFL... but your,
0: your boy is Goodell. Goodell.
1: The NFL has been moving to full-time refs all along they've lost 37 and a half percent of their crew chiefs they've lost six crew chiefs to retirement or to the tv booth in two years so they're they're already draining the swamp of their part-time guys and they're going to have full-time guys but it doesn't mean that refereeing is going to get any better okay would how, much, you, would be, how yeah.
0: much would you pay a full-time referee
1: well, that i would pay out of pocket i don't have a no, lot no, of money for I'm, that if, if Steve 56 were the czar a month. Of
0: the if Steve's the czar of even with the the nfl oh how much would you pay an nfl referee full time what would be the going rate
1: 225 base upwards of 400 if you're really good
0: okay no i I'm, I'm just I, i'd like to know i'd like to know what the what the going rate would be because full time meaning what would you do in the off season watch film
1: Well, that's my argument. See, like, I disagreed with this push to go to full-time refs because there's not enough to do from now until August. Right. There isn't. You can say, they can train. They can watch film. They can do simulations. Yeah. And what are you going to do on Tuesday?
0: (laughs) I'm being funny. I'm just talking. What did you say? (laughs) The XFL.
1: The XFL. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. This is the XFL. <laughs> Actually, you don't want, you wouldn't want them refereeing other leagues or games, because they'd have slightly different rules and different interpretations as to how they want the game called, and it would fuck them up when they get back to the NFL. My opinion. So, okay. so I would have kept. See, like by making more and more guys full time, I think these ah. referees are like, you know what, fuck this. I'm not going to give up my law practice of a med hockey because I might be making 750 or a million in law and an extra 225 doing games, and I like doing games, and I'm good at them, and I can do both. But no, I'm not giving up my law practice to be a full-time ref. What am I, an idiot? So I think that's why guys like him left. I also think, Jay, that a number of referees see the gambling wave coming, and they don't like it because they don't want to live with fucking death threats. When the NFL and other leagues embrace gambling, you can say now, but oh, they might get death threats because people gamble already. It's different when the leagues sanction gambling, and a call goes the wrong way, and people think the league had their thumb on the scale to make money, and Craig Rolstad then gets death threats. Okay, that's just my theory.
0: No, now, no, no. You, you are, you are, you are. That, all of that
1: is true. Yeah, that that the, that the long-time referees who've done it enough look at the landscape and say this is probably a good time to get out of it. Now, they also might be sick of replay. You know, these guys are so good, they get so many calls right, but the one or two that super slow-mo replay shows they got wrong, they're sick of it. They're like, fuck, nobody can get all these things right. And people are calling me an idiot, an asshole, whatever. Granted, this P.I. was terrible. That nobody should have uh, missed that call. So, that said... Would you want to allow PI to be reviewable? Yes. I don't, I,
0: what, review everything. Okay. If you want to get it 100% correct, how many times? We'll do everything. How many times? Till you I mean, get it right. No, no.
1: How many replays, how many challenges does each team get?
0: Let's say three.
1: Okay. What happens when Sean Payton's out of challenges and that play happens?
0: You're S, you're S out of luck, Sean okay. Payton.
1: Okay. You'll say that. I guarantee you many fans, including those who bet on the game, will still be furious. The outcome of the game... Gambling is killing sports. Well, it is. But here's the thing. And and the the fans will be... Because there's two things. There's one, you say, too bad for Sean Payton. He should have kept his flags. The other argument is, well, we want the games to be not marred by terrible calls. So if you want games to be not marred by terrible calls, you must have an unlimited supply of challenges... In no. case something shitty happens at the very end of a game like this.
0: Well, then we're going into the games will last 97 hours.
1: Right. So in other words, maybe this is we've reached the limit of perfection. Because much like some countries and the Pentagon likes to fight the last war with the last equipment and, okay, we need tanks because whatever. No, we're not doing that anymore. This P.I. call was obvious, blatant, and shocking they missed it. The next PA, P.I. call at the end of a championship game is going to be very close. Watch. Most of them are very close. Most of them involve both guys pushing off each other. Do you remember at the end of the Har Bowl on fourth and goal, Kaepernick oh, the to end the end zone? end zone? Yes. And how yes, much was, there was, Jim Harbaugh was there? Yeah. What would replay have done on that? that, that wonderful. Wait a
0: minute. How about this? Is not as egregious, but how about the call on Brady, the roughing the passer?
1: Terrible. Yes. But from how behind, t- it yeah. looked like a chop to the head. Oh, I, 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 I know. I, yeah. <laughs> but but let's go back to the horrible. Do you want the Super Bowl to be decided by Alberto fucking we're Riveron we're in New York City? looking at a TV screen after a butthurt coach throws a red flag on the field.
0: I'm I always I'm always on the side of get it right and I know
1: there is no right. there is no right. And even if you get it right, Jay, imagine that Super Bowl being decided on TV in New York City and tell me if that feels like sports to you or if it feels like unadulterated bullshit. That's the problem. That will happen. If enough games are played with enough things reviewable, like P.I. or holding or whatever, that's going to happen.
0: Okay, we should just have robots then.
1: We're going to. We're (laughs) We're going to eventually have have robots. That's true. That's true. All right, Uh, Chiefs and Patriots, the other hot topic is, do you like overtime the way it is in the NFL? Here's how,
0: if you're a Chiefs fan, here's how you remedy this problem. Don't let them score. There you go. End of discussion. <laughs> but I, they, I'm tired of Chiefs fans bitching. Oh, we should No, no. Don't let them score. I they think just, the Rams they I think just, the Rams didn't let the, the, the Saints score. It's
1: possible. Right. They just fired their defensive coordinator today. because Oh, did you hear who they're going to hire?
0: Garbage. Did you hear who they're thinking about hiring? Who? Rex Ryan. Oh, God. Yes. Yep. Exactly.
1: All right. So you, you are fine with the overtime rules as yep. they stand. Stop
0: them. Stop them. Yep.
1: Okay, here's a stat of the day for you. Hold on for the music. Here it comes. Stat of the day. This courtesy Ross Tucker, who tweeted out, college football coin toss winners in overtime.
0: Saw this. Saw
1: this. 54.9% win the game. NFL overtime coin toss winners win the game, 52%. Behold, your stat of the day. So in other words, what people are arguing, well, we should go to a college style that's more fair, they're actually wrong. It's less fair because do you know what happens in college?
0: Other team gets the ball. Well,
1: the, no, what happens in college, you know what happens in college? after the coin flip the winning team the team that calls the coin flip oh, right gets
0: to decide what they the offensive defense
1: and guess what they do 99 percent of the time go
0: on, go on defense
1: they defer yes. because if you know you can stop them what you need it's like playing blackjack do you want to go first or do you want the dealer no. to go first
0: I would let the dealer go first.
1: If you could, yeah. That's why blackjack's tilted toward the house. You've got to go first. You're at a disadvantage. And you may bust. You may throw a pick. You may fumble. So in other words, every team now in college defers in overtime because that's the best strategic move, and it's an edge that's greater than the edge in the NFL. So people need to shut the, the fuck ass up.
0: up. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Thank you.
1: Okay, Hall of Fame was announced today, Jay. I know you were a big baseball oh, I'm fan. Oh, i very about this. I'm very Big, ba- upset about big this. baseball fan, and you play. You played adult league baseball. Played in high school as well. Two-sport star at Mount St. Joe's basketball two, and baseball.
0: Two-sport two, two, two player. Go ahead. Two-sport player. <laughs> Not star.
1: All right. <laughs> what do you think of the new class for the Hall of Fame? Uh,
0: the only person who should be going into the Hall of Fame We're at war number 42 for the New York Yankees.
1: Mariano Rivera. Rivera.
0: It might be seen a long-time Orioles. Great pitcher, but it's not the Hall of – it's not the Hall of really good. It's the Hall of Fame. I know he had – I think he had 280, 280 victories, but still never won a Cy Young, only won 20 games once. And now he did pitch in the height of the steroid era in the toughest division. But again, 280 is not 300. Yeah. That is still the benchmark. Roy Halladay should not be in. The only reason he's in, I hate to say it, Died. because he passed. He passed away. Yeah. Edgar, Edgar Martinez, three eleven lifetime batting average, did not have three thousand hits, did not have five hundred home runs. How the hell is he in the Hall of Fame? Don't very know. good DH. Very good DH. So, uh, mm-hmm. the like I said, the only person who should be in is Mariano. That's it.
1: Yeah, the Baines thing rankles a lot of people.
0: Harold Baines and Bill Mazeroski killed the Hall of Fame as we know
1: it. <laughs> Where did Mazeroski go in many years ago? Because of the uh, yeah,
0: but Mazeroski shot her shot her around the world. He went in for one. That was Bobby Thompson. Mazeroski was a sixty World Series against the Yankees.
1: Oh, he was the Homer in the gloaming.
0: Right, and that was the only reason Bill Mazeroski is yeah. in the Hall of Fame. Okay, and he should not
1: be in. Yeah. All right. Well, Joe Namath is in the Football Hall of Fame.
0: And I think he threw, like, under 50%. Not under. It was like 52
1: then, right? Joe Namath, football reference. Okay. These stats are horseshit. But, 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 but but Joe Namath played in an era where (laughs) the coaches in the NFL didn't care if you threw a lot of interceptions. It was almost like, yeah, la, 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 la. Fling it down there and give it a shot. And Joe Namath, by the way, had three knee surgeries, which were performed basically by a guy who had stayed at a Holiday Inn Express. I mean, huge <laughs> knee scars. The, 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 the rehab was so primitive back then. It's amazing you can even walk today, given the Are you surgery. making excuses
0: for Joe, Joe Willie Namath?
1: Are you ready for the Joe Namath touchdown to INT career splits? Please go. 173 career touchdowns. How many interceptions for a Hall of Famer, Joe Willie Namath, do you think he threw 173 good, how many bad? Two ten. OJ, I'm so sorry. You've underbid. The oh answer God. is 220 interceptions. Is that a lot? Yes! He's 57. <laughs> Why am I yelling? He's uh. <laughs> 27. He's 47 interceptions on the wrong side, upside down. Is that, he had, is that wrong? He, he had he had interception totals in years of 27, 28, 22, and 28 pickles. Oh, and these are in 14 game seasons.
0: <laughs> now we oh all we we do have to give. Those are the days where you could literally. Uh, DB could jump on the back of a receiver
1: true. at all times. True,
0: so true, true. So those are a little bit skewed, but like Pat Fisher.
1: Yeah, I hear player you. ever. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. That's uh, Joe Namath for you. Okay. Uh, anything else you want to get to today before we get to fuck that guy? Because I got a great fuck that guy for this
0: one. My week. fuck that guy, uh, zaven well. Don't use a now. No, well, it, it, I I don't have a – I have, to, I have to say it now because I, you and Charge were talking about Charge cutting the cord.
1: Okay. And,
0: and I have to cut the cord because I got, and I'm going to curse. I'm going to use my, my curse. I got fucked by Verizon so hard that, I, that I'm going to have to cut the cord or do something. They You're,
1: you're walking sideways? For walking you got to, fucked so hard you're walking like a crab? I was
0: like, I was like the rape scene in American Me. Oh my That's Jesus. how they I, they, I literally did not have service for like nine days. And I would call every day and get thrown to like 10 people. Oh, no one, no one would help me. And I would just yell like a, like a banshee.
1: This is Verizon files,
0: Verizon files. And they, and I was like, so, I, I, well, so
1: where I are you going? Where are you cutting the cord I, to?
0: I, I feel like Zach Mayo in, uh, um, uh, what's the movie with Lou Gossett? Uh, I got nowhere else to go. I don't know where to go. officer gentlemen, gentleman. Sorry. I don't know where to go. I have no <laughs> idea where to go, but I can't, they, they raised my bill. I didn't have channels for like, I had movie channels and that was it for like nine days because someone, there was a glitch in the system and no one could figure it out. A glitch. And then they, and, and they raised my bill and no one could figure out why they did that. I got nowhere to go. <laughs> oh I gotta my God.
1: Something. But yeah. they were they were just taking it to the black man. That is so fucking racist. I'm very it upset. It was the by worst.
0: That. It was the worst, and then it finally got resolved. But I told them, I said, "If you think I'm paying this month's bill, you are sadly mistaken."
1: <laughs> okay. All right. So is that your fuck this guy?
0: Yeah, but you got to I got to talk to charge. I got to cut this cord. I can't be doing this.
1: Well, you got to go somewhere, and FiOS is your internet provider. So you kinda gotta deal with them, Jay. I think you should All just right. negotiate a free month of FIOS and call today. It It'll be more All hassle right. to cut the cord. You're not That's gonna be crazy. happy. There'll be future outages. Okay. okay. Time for, it's time for yes. the theme song. Here we go. I'm not a good guy. I'm the guy. Ha <laughs> ha, fuck that guy. <laughs> fuck that guy. All right, here we go. FTG. Of course I can make it Bruce Allen, who I talked about earlier on the Zabe Cast, who just said the dumbest shit ever today when he finally talked to the media. Nah, don't have to worry about that. I've already <sighs> dealt with him. My fuck that guy goes to a particular Saints fan who apparently has such a piercing, natural whistle, he dresses up for the games as the whistle man, and he was the guy causing everyone watching on TV to go, wait, hold on a second, did they just blow that play dead? Fuck the whistle man, fuck the sound people for Fox that didn't forcibly relocate him. You ruined the game, just like the screaming woman in Baltimore ruin the Ravens' playoff game against the Chargers for everyone watching on TV with their high-pitched squealing. I want these fans that fuck up the audio on broadcast to be forcibly removed. Fuck that guy! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, hey, great, you can whistle so loud it sounds like a real whistle. How about you stop doing that? Better yet, not only stop doing that, don't dress up with a whistle on your head. Nobody cares about your skill.
0: Can we punch him and then punch Marlin's
1: man also? Yeah, it would line him up for a punch fest. Yes. Be very a, satisfying. A, dick,
0: a, a dick punch. Dick okay. kick. Yes.
1: <laughs> okay, Jay, what is your FTG officially for this week?
0: I, I don't... I, 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 I'm sorry. I don't...
1: You don't have I'm one?
0: F, I'm FTG-less.
1: You gotta have one.
0: I, it has to be FTG- somebody.
1: Come I, on, I man.
0: Well, okay. All right. Okay. This is... Okay. This is going to sound... All right. So...
1: Don't make it political.
0: No, 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 not political. So I'm listening last night. But I've noticed, Zabin, there are so many mediocre sports people on the radio. Oh, last yeah. Night, last night, listening to someone who we both know, yeah. uh, one Scott Farrell. Frown the bench, frown the I want to know how he collects. I want to know how someone collects a check as a sports uh, radio talk show host. And knows minimal about sports. I heard him breaking down a college basketball game. He knew no names. Didn't know any records. He's just running. I'm like, the business is now at an all-time low. Am I I wrong? It's not good.
1: It's not not good at the high end. There's too many high-end guys making way too much money and not knowing anything. But I got to tread lightly saying that because they'll look at me and say, you're just bitter.
0: But you do your homework. You at least watch games incessantly. This is just a guy running his gap.
1: Yeah, well, where where has that gotten me? Where has trying hard? Where has doing the work? And I've got the spiral notebook to show it. Where's that helped me? It hasn't. I need a shtick. I need a hook. Like freedom, how man. bench. And you got a
0: football field in your backyard with a
1: goalpost. That's not You're a, okay. I'm, I know. (laughs) But I'm working like a dog for it, man. Come on now. You know I'm not as big as I could be, right?
0: You are one. Can I? One of the worst days in this business is you and I on an elevator in Pittsburgh. Yeah. And Mike Greenberg gets on with his man purse. And you, you cordially say, Hey, Mike, I'm Steve Zabin. And he literally looked you up and down like you were not supposed to speak to him. I wanted to punch him in his face.
1: You were there that day, and weren't I like, you? Th-
0: Yes. And I'm like, this guy is a star. He is everything I hate about the business, Mike Greenberg.
1: Yeah. And that was before Greenberg got really huge. That was probably that was, 2006, I want to say.
0: Yeah. That was medium. That was medium Mike and Mike.
1: And you're right. Not only did I encounter him on the elevator, and you're right, he exactly looked at me like that. Like, what? Hmm? Who are you? No pretense of, hey, how's it going? Right. Um, because we were on Fox, and ESPN was the only other syndicator nationally at the time, right? And so, um, basically, it was like, yeah, it, that was one thing. Guess what, though? That was the the remote where they misspelled my name on the sign at our broadcast booth. And they spelled it steed, like a horse. I still have that sign. That's where it came from. It was at Nemecolon. Whoever was working PR, either is stupid as shit or misheard Steve for steed and thought, maybe this is a big radio guy, steed, like a horse. And they spelled it steed. So not only did Mike Greenberg dismiss me as rubbish in the elevator, I then sit down and look at the sign. It says steed. I'm like it's not breaking my way in this business. Oh well, I'll keep plugging.
0: But I mean, and and, and not not everybody. You know who's one of the nicest uh, people that I ever met? Uh, the dog. Um, 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 well, who used to be with Francesa? Oh my God, what's what was his name? Oh, Jesus Christ!
1: Oh, uh, uh Mike, uh, uh doggy. Uh, I,
0: well, oh my God, I can't. Chris Russo. He, Chris Russo. Chris Russo was one of the nicest. I thought when we sat next to him, I was like, oh, he's got to be a dick. He was one of the nicest people I ever
1: met. Oh, very nice to meet you. Hey, pal. I appreciate it. Hey, pal. That's exactly how he
0: was because he came on the show, and he was like, oh, yeah, I've heard of you. And he was like, oh, I'd love to come on. I was like, Yeah. But
1: But you know what, though? You know what, though? He's mailing it into. Just listen. Just listen. I, I hate to say it. Again, it comes off as me being jealous. And it doesn't, it's not good when it gets back to him, and someone's going to fucking tattletale as they always do. No! They no, always do. not? Somebody will. No! Yeah, shut up.
0: <laughs> no!
1: No, I, I you know, I, I just, I hear it and I think, oh, Chris, you should know that. Like, I know I don't know everything. I fuck up all the time. And I don't know things and I feel like I should know that. But, you know, for him, I just well. Anyway, good to be him. He's got a nice house out in Newport Beach and country club membership. And I'm not complaining. <laughs> Fucking, I'm not complaining. From, I've done just I fine.
0: Was, you just came back from Wisconsin, by the way, too.
1: I know. I'm. I got a new hustle going on. I will, the... and a,
0: and a big and a big win. That was a great game to be at.
1: Yeah, over Michigan, and then we saw Marquette do the same thing in the province. It was a good two twofer. So. I, I, J, by the way, for ZabeCast listeners, Jay is officially booked for Zabe Vegas. Zabe Vegas, yeah. I was going to ask Charles, could I
0: room with him? <laughs>
1: uh, you know what? That sounds like a good buddy movie. <laughs> Charge is coming. You are coming. Don't Mr. ask F- if Soli- Mr. X is coming. Don't, af- don't ask if Solly or Scott are coming because they're not. Scott's got birthdays that weekend, and Solly doesn't leave the house. He hates people. You love him, listeners. He hates you. Just know that. Is he married yet? Allegedly, he hadn't. He hadn't told us yet. Hadn't told us yet. Oh. All right. Uh, well, we're gonna we're gonna call this a day because the music ran out a long time ago. Jay, good to talk to you as always. Godspeed, and we'll talk to you next week.
0: Bye bye now.
1: Bye bye now. We'll end on this, and I couldn't believe it when when my wife sent me the link to the tweet. James Gandolfini's son, Michael, cast as Tony Soprano in the Sopranos prequel movie. Yes! This is incredible. It's not a show, so we're a little disappointed on that, but it will be a movie. And yes, Michael Gandolfini will step in and play the young Tony Soprano In the movie, The Many Saints of Newark. It'll focus on tensions between the New Jersey City's City's African American and Italian communities. And yes, David Chase, the creator of The Sopranos, will direct. They say some of the show's original characters will reportedly be in the feature film. And I believe it's going to be on HBO. But the, the light is on. It'll be greenlit, and away we go. It doesn't say here. Man, oh, man, what shitty journalism. Pix11.com, which is where this uh, link is from. Just scanning it here, reading it again. Uh, prequel movie to the television series The Sopranos. This according to Variety, blah, 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 blah. I sound like Francesa. Yeah, no. They don't say where it's going to be. Probably on television. Either way, this is not a drill. This is real. We got a Sopranos movie. Now we've got a Deadwood movie coming out. Life is getting pretty good, kids. Not too shabby. That's all for today. Get the Zabecast app. It's quite handy. Subscribe to PremiumZabe.com slash premium. Email me with topics, suggestions, and more at Zabe at Yahoo.com. Now go on out there and start writing your preferred prequel plot lines for the Sopranos movie, and we will see you tomorrow.